Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Jason Kleefter here with Adrian Conway. Thank you so much for uh, being with us on the show. You know, normally it's Gabe Yanez, but it's like, dude, this week he's out at a Mets game. And it's like, hey, let's have Adrian on and let's uh, let's let's chat it up. Let's shoot it, man. I'm, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always a good time we get together. So I love all the all the talk we, uh, you know, explore. And I'm excited to to get into some some good stuff today. Yeah, we were at the semifinals. You know, we were, um, for lack of a better term, doing like a three-hour podcast with the live events. And I was like, dude, I like talking to Adrian. Like, we're just kind of riffing it, bullshitting back and forth. And I was like, you know, we should maybe talk uh, again on a, on a more long-form uh, podcast like this. So that's kind of what got me inspired was, was our connection, what, a couple, couple weeks ago at the semifinals. Yeah, it's crazy too to me, man. That that the time has flown by. I'm like, man, was that was that like two months ago? How 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 long ago was that? Like May for me was like a blur because I was involved in so many of those semifinals. Um, but yeah, man, I you know when we met up, of course, like our history in the space is that we've rubbed shoulders a lot, we've interacted a lot, particularly when you were back involved with some seminar staff stuff, like you know the the annual get-togethers that we'd go on. Um, but man, for us to come together on a three-hour podcast and then just riff it the way that we did, uh, I, I thought it was awesome. So I'm I'm excited to be here with you, just chopping it up again. For sure, man. I think um, when it comes to the semifinals, I'm curious. Did you go? You went to two or how many did you go to? You went to just two? two. The first two yeah. weeks. Yep. Was there a, a a difference in the two at all? Because was like from the East Coast to West Coast, was anything really different, or was the vibe similar? The the size similar, or because. Not many people went to both, so I'm just curious. Yeah, so week one was in Orlando for me. Uh, so that was the East, and it was it was big. It was large, and I say that, like, the whole venue, it was in a large venue. It was very spread out, but it was all in one central location. So it was like you walked – 50 yards and there was the athlete warm-up area there were booths for press and other stuff upstairs just over the athlete warm-up area and then you walk back that 50 yards and that's where the competition floor was and then you walk another 30 yards and that's where the secondary competition floor was and then of course you walk maybe you know 20 yards to the east and that is where vendor village was so it was all within this like really large 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 space um, which made it feel different because you know and you were there in the west jay where it was like man, we were on top of one another in the competition area, but that's all it was. It was like really tight spots. The, the, the spectator venue and the competition floor was all in one area. In fact, there was only one competition floor and they just ran it both ways, right? They ran a horizontal perspective for the large 20 athlete heats. And then they ran it, the, the vertical perspective for the traditional 10 athlete heats. Um, uh, and then, and in the that, downside, I didn't pick up. Okay. Now that you mentioned that now, now I get it. Okay. Got it. Yep. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest things with the competition floor in the setup. And then of course the vendors being away from everything else, I'm sure that hurt a, a bit of their experience. You know, I, I always put myself in the investors shoes, right? Like I'm like, yo man, if I had to pay a couple grand to be here and I wasn't really getting to be central to where the spectators actually were all the time. I got to be like, Oh man, we got to find a way to get them over here. We got to find a way to get them excited, of course. But I, I would have preferred that that area be closer or more adjacent to, or in the same building as the, uh, the competition floor. Yeah. Well, I mean, before we, before we, um, I definitely want to talk to you about, you know, Dave Castro coming back. I want to talk about some leadership principles in that you learned through team, but while yeah. we're on the subject of semifinals, yep. You know, I think that there's people who watch the semifinals or maybe there's at times, you know, people get very invested in the CrossFit to change their life and whatnot, but it is a business. And I think that we have to recognize that from, from Dave coming back, from 
uh, the semifinals and everything. So one thing that I think is interesting is I was talking to um, the team from Noble, right? And so Noble didn't have a setup. And people would look at him and be like, why wouldn't you have a setup? Like, I don't get it, blah, blah. But for Noble to show up the way they need to show up for their brand, I mean, dude, the, the booth, the booth build out alone is probably 50 grand, right? Um, but what I'm curious about is when I was at semifinals, and I don't know if this is the same as in Florida, was there a way to, to buy a um, CrossFit semifinal shirt in Florida or n- neither of them? Could you buy a semifinal shirt? I, I honestly don't think so. Yeah. But because I got to be honest, though, because of my role and because like, you know how when we're when we're with CrossFit or with the production team, we're like in and out of back doors. We're like, so I didn't get a full experience there in Florida because I was formerly on the broadcast team. Like, so some of the stuff that I got exposure to was like CrossFit's media room. I, I made a quick, you know, run through Vendor Village on my way in and out a couple days. Uh, but other than that, I didn't see anywhere, though, specifically, man, where you could buy a, a CrossFit semifinal shirt at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious if they're going to be at the games, actually, because I, I, this is just my take on this. From a business perspective, Noble signs a, uh, you know, sponsorship partnership. And as part of that partnership, they, I imagine they're paying a royalty to utilize the mark of CrossFit on their merchandise. And then CrossFit gets back some type of, you know, royalty fee, right? And at semifinals, you figure CrossFit's assuming they're getting some additional revenue off the merch that's being sold there from the Noble um, uh, vendor setup, but if Noble's not there, they're not also getting, not only are they not getting the, they're not getting that additional royalty. And so I'm curious with the games, if Noble decides not to have a booth set up, because I mean, as you and I both know, like for, for a vendor like Noble, they spend so much money because they have to show up in a certain way. It's like rogue rogue would never show up like with a 10 by 10 tent, right? They are only going to show up legit or they're not going to show up at all. And so I'm curious if they're going to be at the games and if they're not, I wonder if actually another sponsor will jump in to take on those licensed products for people who want to get across a game shirt. Like if Noble's not there, what, what shirt are you going to get? Like, I, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. you know, but I, I, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a ton of details, but from what I do know, Noble will have a presence at the CrossFit games and they had to make some choices in regards to getting, making sure that that was going to be the case. So I think they called some audibles early on, earlier on in the season with the lesser attended events there. And they were hard choices from what I know for the business to make, of course. Um, But it's just like, this brings us to another conversation too, Jay, where it's like a lot of people make so many assumptions about running business or being the title sponsor of the CrossFit Games. And they just don't really understand the amount of money and investments of not just cash, but like your resources of your employees, someone that's planning this event getting all the hotel rooms booked for people that are going to work the booth. And, uh, uh, you know, like there's so much behind the scenes. And then the whole sole purpose is we want to get a return on our investment, right? Like, so what is the return going to be? And if Noble's struggling to see that return and all these different things are things that of course are part of the conversation in their company, then they got to make some hard choices. And I think it's so easy for us to throw stones and be like, oh yeah, boo this, boo that. But it's like, man, I've been there. I've, I've we, we were, you know, as an FNX company, we had planned events that we were supposed to be a part of. And we were like, Hey, right now, the way finances are playing out, we've got to call an audible. This is going to be best for the business. People are going to want to punch us or be really sad that we're not a part of this, but Hey, we got to do, what we got to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that those companies that continue to do things that are not driving a return, like it, it, they're just not going to be around. And, nope. you know, so speaking of that, this is a great segue into this, you know, people look at CrossFit and some of the decisions that they're making and they're like, Oh, you know, um, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And let's talk in particular about 
the expense of the CrossFit Games. I mean, think about this from a from a purely financial perspective. If you're broadcasting all of the events, I mean, I don't know exactly how much it costs to broadcast an event, but I know it's like a lot of money, like $100,000 to, to do, because you have to get multiple people, you have to get the bus out there, you have to, there's so many factors, right? Labor, uh, not only just labor for the people who are actually like, you know, commentating, but how about all the other people that are behind the cameras and now you have multiple cameras. And I think that, you know, for the CrossFit Games, uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think for the CrossFit Games, for them to really build something for the future and remain sustainable and grow, I think they should just focus on the, the individual athletes, maybe some team and allow other events to highlight other athletes in a different way. And so here's what I mean by this. And you might disagree. And if you do, that's great. If, if the CrossFit games want to continue to thrive or, or thrive, my, my struggle is, is that all these other divisions, I feel like they don't get the love or they don't get the, the, because they're not, they're not highlighted. They're they're highlighted, but they're not, they're not made at um, like, for example, the masters, um, yeah. I, I've seen where the masters are at, right. They're in like a secondary location, et cetera. My question would be like, would it be better off just saying, Hey, look, the CrossFit games are not going to be for the masters divisions or the teams divisions or whatever. We're going to be for this cohort of people. And then we're going to set up events outside of this particular event to really highlight these people in a way that like that get, that makes them feel like they are the show. They're not a mm-hmm. part of the show. They are the show. You know what I'm saying? And that goes for adaptive and, and everything. Um, curious what you think about that. Yeah, I think there's space for that conversation. And I think it's something that, that you've got to take a serious look at. You know, when we talk about allocating resources and the investment of time and cash or whatever it is, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with broadcast being like ridiculously expensive. Look, right. CrossFit doesn't bring in like these amateurs to run cameras and do all this stuff. Bro, when I was back there last year, which was my first time back there with 10 freaking trucks back there, like, and people are like, hey, just so you know, this sounds crazy. This is the same setup that they use at the Super Bowl. Right. And I was like, what? And, you know, they're explaining this to me. And then I'm I'm, I'm sharing vehicles and our Ubers to like the hotel and back from people that are like, yeah, I've worked 12, uh, you know, major league championships. I've, uh, I've, I've worked six Super Bowls. Like these are top tier in regards to medium production and entertainment. And so it's not cheap. That's the first thing. There has been so many new revelations like that I've been shown over the last year and a half being more behind the scenes that makes me grateful. I'm like, man, how have they afforded to continue to drive such high quality production? And I was like ignorant to it. Like I'm always thinking about how it needs to be better and how it needs to be improved. And I'm like, man, I should have been really grateful. It was it was at the quality that it was at all. Um, in regards to like the, the teams and the masters, I mean, look at some of these competitions that exist already, right? Yeah, like, that's true. They're, they're, they're nailing it in regards to allowing masters to potentially be the focus and why not do a partnership with them specifically and do it at a higher level where it's like, yeah, Hey, the master's championship is going to take place three weeks after all the semis wrap, uh, you know, a month before the CrossFit games that gives nerds like me and obsessive people that want to be a fan of each aspect of the sport, a chance to go watch it or to be a part of it in some way. The CrossFit games can be solely towards um, the individuals and still maybe the teams, but also understanding that the broadcast might be a little different for the teams. Right. Um, right. Like I, I think about even the, the audible that CrossFit called that allowed us the opportunity to, to chop it up on our podcast segment, right. For events one and, and three out there. Um, Cause they didn't broadcast them the same way. Right. 
And I think about maybe that's maybe that's the way that you tell the team's story. Maybe you do save and allocate a little bit more funds to the individuals to highlight that, to make sure it's live, to make sure you can package it for ESPN or anyone else that wants to purchase that. And then the teams are, yes, more of a sideshow. Maybe there's one camera that t- captures a wide view and maybe it's more of a podcast format or just like, uh, you know, old school. Um, <laughs> what's it like when, when kids just used to sit down to listen to the commentary man on the yeah, radio yeah, for yeah. baseball games, right? So I think there's options and it's not going to be a flavor that everyone likes to taste That's of initially. It. Like we know that. No, because I think uh, the community will be upset. I, I think, I personally think that in the next like two years, the community will be frustrated by what the games are going to have to do to remain yeah. sustainable because they're so expensive. And I mean, if you're spending a hundred grand to tell, to, to um, not only your, the money, it's the time and attention. So if you're saying, okay, we're the CrossFit games and we're trying to really grow this thing into a professional sport, you have so many groups you're trying, you're trying to adhere to. Uh, what I struggle with is like, where is the time and attention being placed at? Is it being placed on these elite for the, for the work or events? Is it being placed on the masters? Is it being placed on the teams? Is it being placed on the uh, additional divisions? All I'm saying is, is that I think, yes, people will be frustrated because they're not going to be at the quote unquote CrossFit games, but I actually think in the long run, it'll improve the athlete experience, the spectator experience, and the growth of the sport. If each area just had its niche demographic they are going after, you know, it's something I think about a lot for our business. If we're trying to be everything to everybody, we're going to be True. nothing to anybody. We, we need to speak to a specific audience and speak to them the right way and, and then have other, you know, and then there's places for other uh, events. You know what I mean? So a- anyways, I- I'm curious what will happen. Um, speaking of which, um, so CrossFit yesterday, I don't know when this podcast will release, but yeah. yesterday I got an email from our buddy Austin Meliolo and it says Justin Berg is basically in, in few words, Justin Berg's out, Dave Castro's in. And right. I actually um, messaged Austin, full disclosure. I, I, I messaged Austin, I texted him, I said, hey man, good email, simple, effective, have a good day. I, I think that CrossFit in the past, you know, they're a business, they're an organization. I think sometimes they try and justify everything to everybody and maybe go a little bit more in depth into certain things. I think it just adds to um, confusion I think yeah. they just clearly communicated, hey, Justin Berg is no longer in this position. Dave Castro is. And I don't really think they owe the community any more than that. Like, that's just my take on it. Like, I think it's just like, look, we're a business. We made this decision. Let's rock and roll. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Do you think they should have done more or? Uh, yeah. No, man, I don't. I agree completely. I, I really have. Um, and it's just me being candid, sharing my own personal experience. Of course, I work with CrossFit and they hire me to teach seminars and and do broadcasts, right? Like just full transparency there. This is my opinion. I think that they should run it like a business that it is. And which means it is owned by a group of people and they get to make the choices now because they are the boss. It is their money. It is their baby. Now it's a unique circumstance because of the community that we've built throughout the years, man. But when I look back on what Greg was able to do well, was that when he said something, it was just the way it was, folks. And when Dave said something, it was just the way it was. And the more opportunity that we provided for people to argue or question or challenge, it just created more of those echoes and rumblings in the background, almost 2x, 3x, 4x. And while 
I think when they make a business choice, that's hard to swallow. Um, and I've, and I've experienced many of those, right? Like, oh man, I don't know if I like this move, right? Like that's how I feel. But then I also trust that if they're certain in their choices, well, this is what they deemed necessary. And I'll either find a way to follow suit or I'll make the choice to not be a part of it anymore. And I feel like that's the way they've got to be comfortable with presenting information is like, Hey, this is the way it's going to be. This is why we deem that this is necessary. Hope you like it. If you don't peace out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Don's had to make some tough decisions. You know, I, I, I met with Don. Um, so he's been, he, he lives here in the Bay area with me and not with in the yep, Bay yep. area. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, he's been a member of the gym for, for years and years. And before he took the CEO role, I was, I was talking to him. I was like, look, man, like, bro, this could be tough. Like there's gonna be a lot of like decisions you're gonna have to make that are gonna ruffle the feathers. And I think that he, I think he knew what he was getting himself into probably not as much, maybe, I don't know, you'd have to ask him, but I think he had an idea of what he was getting himself into that CrossFit has a long history. And there's a lot of people that feel very connected to it, but no doubt. you're going to have a lot of tough decisions that need to be made. And I think this was one of them. I, I do think that if CrossFit, you know, my, my overall sentiment on this, I did like a small little podcast yesterday for a few minutes, but with uh, Lauren in general, my sentiment is if CrossFit chose to rehire Dave, right. And you know, whether, um, uh, if CrossFit chose to rehire Dave, because remember he got let go, right. Then yes. he got rehired and he got rehired as like, I think at the time it was like, um, he was reporting to the CEO or a, like, uh, then he was doing like auxiliary revenues and he was doing a few different things, right. Like kind of, he was doing a lot of stuff with the army. Maybe he was doing some, some of the affiliates. I think that if they chose that, Hey, Dave is going to be on the team. That's the decision. Well, then I think this is a natural fit for him if he's on the team. So like, imagine you have, you know, 10 players on your, on your starting lineup. If you chose that he was going to be with you, this is probably where he should have been. Like, I don't know if the role of auxiliary revenue or, you know, assistant to the CEO or, or advisor to the CEO, I think that was the original role. I don't think those were as up his skill set. If you just looked at it objectively, then this is. So you, you know what I'm saying? Like if they chose that he was going to be on the team for the long run, this sounds like a natural fit for him in there. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, man. So, and even some behind the scenes stuff is that Dave was becoming more involved back with seminar staff again, which I was absolutely ecstatic about, right. To have that voice and that face kind of leading the charge for us. And now that he's going to be a part of sport, clearly I'm still involved with sport as well, which again, excites me to the nth degree, but I feel like, and, and I think people will understand when they hear me say this and what I mean, but like Dave Castro is a leader of men. And it's very natural that when Dave comes into a room or he's speaking, um, whether he is the most eloquent dude there or he's not right with his presentation um, or his chicken scratch handwriting, like all of that is irrelevant. But it seems like he has a unique ability to help people fall in line and, and want to pursue a greater cause. Right. I think that this was the advantage that he carried for many years as the face and voice of our sport. And I think the community related really well to that, even if it was them him sharing something they didn't want to hear or him acting as the villain in regards to announcing workouts that were going to just kill everybody. Like he played the role so well and we became very familiar. I think we all actually desired that, that, that role for him to fill to a degree. Now, I don't know if this is what it will look like um, with his return to the, the head of sport. Um, I don't know if it will be as front facing as he once was, especially with now Boz still being the head programmer, at right. least from what we know. Um, I don't know. I don't know how they will balance one another out. But I, I think that, you know, for me, 
um, his return. I, I'm extremely excited about. Um, and, and I know that it is also, and I shared this even as I reached out to Justin about his transition away from CrossFit. Like I, I thanked him tremendously for filling in roles that are very um, overlooked and also undervalued. Like he has to make a lot of really hard choices that a lot of people are going to constantly disagree with or have better suggestions to. And, and now Dave taking on that responsibility and kind of having the reins back uh, to him. Um, it's it's going to still be what we would categorize as a pretty thankless role, right? Like he'll be back. And then what are people going to do? They're going to criticize him of course. for the next choices that he makes. And and we get that. We know that we've been in the game for a minute, um, but man, I'm excited. And, and I think that, you know, it will, it will push the space and the, and the sport um, continually forward. And, you know, I did watch already what you recorded the other day with Lauren, Jason, and I, and I, and I love that your focus has to be on the consumer and the fan. Yep. Um, because to me, as an athlete, I'd love for the focus to be on me, sure. But I know what's going to give me the opportunity to compete, bro. And that's with butts in the seats and eyes on me competing. That's so right. I think those have to be some of our first considerations in regards to growing this sport is let's get people excited. Let's get new eyeballs on these athletes out there in, in our sport. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like my heart is in the, the growth for the athletes and new sponsors, more money, more growth. And I just... I just haven't seen that in the last couple of years. I, I just don't feel like there's been any growth. Yeah, the open is a little bit better, but it's like, I feel like in general, the sport of CrossFit has stalled out in general. And it reminds me a lot of like two things. I'm just like, I'm reminded of, I used to race BMX bikes and it's just such a good example. Cause I would, I would go to these national events and they'd fill up, you know, like a, a small, like cattle stadium. Right. But they weren't like, they were never going to get bigger than that. Like that was just where it was at. Or I used to be involved in the X games and the, um, not involved. I, I used to go. And, yeah. and the X games were just what they were like that. That was what it was. And the, the thing was, is like, I think what made it appealing when you had people transcend the sport, just get bigger and pull people in was like the Tony Hawks of the world who created a video game, who then people started getting interested in this. But from a CrossFit perspective, I look at it very similar to jujitsu. And this is why um, I have my own opinions about Dave with jujitsu. Um, you know, I've been on the, I've been a fan for many, many years. I've been practicing jujitsu for about seven years. I absolutely love it, but I'm not like a diehard sports fan. Like I've, I've showed up at like one or two of the events I've competed myself. So maybe I'm like more than like just on the fringe, but what this guy, Gordon Ryan has done. Have you, have you ever heard of this guy, Gordon Ryan before? I don't know that I have. Okay. So you got to look him up because okay. he's super polarizing and because he's so polarizing, if you look at like his 1 million social media followers on Instagram, I'd say that 30, 40, 30% of them don't even do jujitsu. And wow. it, it's interesting because of how polarizing it is. Like he'll show up to a match and he's undoubtedly the, the goat. Like uh, it's non-negotiable in a no-gi. And what he'll do is he has, he has theatrics. So he'll show up and he'll write on a piece of paper how he's going to submit his opponent, put it in an envelope and give it to like the uh. commentator right? Yes. And then he'll do it, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll win. And then he'll have the commentator open up what he says and do, you know, arm bar from mount, whatever. Right. And it just adds these theatrics where even if you're not a diehard jujitsu guy, you want to see him, you either want to see him back up his hard work or you want to see him lose because you want to be able to talk shit or whatever. And I feel like we need something like that in CrossFit to help bridge the gap between you have the diehard crew. I got it. 
you have these people who are like on the fringes, like they know what CrossFit is, what's going to attract them. And I talked about this on the podcast with Lauren, dude, do you remember that one um, open announcement where Dave was like drinking red wine, wearing a suit Oh yeah, and he did a cold muscle up in Paris. That's right. Of <laughs> course. London, yes. Whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, so it was stuff like that. That at the time I was like, bro, it's so over the top, like whatever. But I didn't realize I was in my own bubble, like looking back on it. And even today, I'm like one step removed from the sport. I'm slowly getting back into it a little bit more because things like commentating and, and like I'm getting I'm getting intrigued. Like it just took me a little while to kind of like yeah. re. But like when I was so in it, I was like, dude, I know all the competitors. I know all the people. Just give me the event and I'm ready to go. But now as I'm like kind of like one step back, I'm like, bro, I kind of want to see a little bit of like anticipation, what theatrics we're going to see, what villain, you know, the Dana White effect. That's you know? right. Yeah. And, and I think Dave, Dave has that right now. I don't, again, I don't know what his role be like. Look, I'm over here saying quiet prayers. Like, ah, come on, man, get back in front of the camera. Give us a little bit of that. Like I we need that. My, my heart misses that personally. Um, and, and, and it's interesting because like, I don't even know if, if Boz presented with that opportunity and I'm speaking on his behalf, right? Like out of order here. I don't know if he, he wants that necessarily. Right. No. Like, I don't know if he actually wants that side of it, but you know, either way, like, I think Dave does do that in droves, man. And, and, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head with like, we need to continue to, to tell stories. We need to be storytellers. Media has to be a huge part of this moving forward. I mean, it's the whole reason, dude, I went to CrossFit uh, just about a little less than a year ago. and was like, Hey, I started this podcast athlete to athlete. I'm just sitting down with these athletes. I don't know if you guys have ever any interest in like telling the story of the athletes, but to me, like I think about looking back on when you were just primed in your career, bro. And like thinking about the way cameras would come follow you guys for like a week or a couple days and like tell the story of it. I forget exactly what, what we called those, um, like road to the, the games, games or road to the games. That's yeah. the series, right? I think about those and the mass amount of views they would get the way they, they make the athletes human and relatable. You saw them sit down to dinner or prior towards the day or have ups and downs in training, whatever it was. I mean, we've got so many people within this 40 and 40 tier of individual athletes that are now going to the CrossFit games, right? The stage is set. Their backgrounds are diverse. The way they look is diverse. How much they train, the way they train, their coaches. If we start telling those stories better, imagine the random people outside that'll be like, oh, I kind of see myself in that guy. Yeah. Oh, I kind of see myself in that girl. Man, that's cool. He talks so much trash and I freaking love it, right? Like there's all these different things, but it's all contingent upon how we tell the story of the investment we're willing to make and roll the dice on that side of the business. Um, cause, cause I mean, you remember the large exodus that took place in 2018 and, and you had kind of, you know, more so removed yourself from, from what was going on in the sport. But when, when media got removed from yeah. what we are and what we were, boy, that really changed things for, for a huge, huge, uh, swing. So I think if, and if we can get back in that and, and we got Dave under the fold and leading the charge, man, it could be, it could be powerful. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, people want to feel connected to the athletes and well, here's the nice thing about Dave, for Dave and Dave and I, um, you know, I, again, for the record, we, you know, I, I worked for CrossFit seminar staff. So I was, I worked underneath him. I, I worked with, you know, I, I was at his ranch. I, I still see him on a regular basis. So we have a strong relationship and that relationship has, had ebbs and flows on um, just like any relationship, but ours has been yep. a little, it's been, but uh, what you see is what you get with Dave, which I really appreciate. Like if he has an issue, he'll let you know. Um, I think that that's a very admirable um, like qu quality. Right. Um, I also think that now that Don and the, the, and there's a board of directors, 
I think that they're going to give him a little bit more checks and balances. I think before he didn't really have that. And I, and frankly, no one's ever said he didn't want that. Meaning like, I, I don't know if Greg ever gave him guidance and direction on the CrossFit games. Frankly, it probably went the opposite way where he's like, look, I'm not that interested in it. And maybe Dave, and I, I'm not going to speak for him, but maybe it was a part of him that wanted some more guidance on, you know, Hey, where are we, where are we trying to build this thing? I'm, I feel like I'm alone on this journey. And now he has a full team that's invested into to growing it for the future because I know that Don sees the sport as a major marketing opportunity for CrossFit. Um, I mean, he's been pretty clear on that since day one. So bringing Dave in, I think, I, I think they're going to make some investments. We have to see what they do, but I think they're going to have to make some tough decisions, um, Adrian. Like with, in particular, with broadcasting. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to broadcast everybody? Is it going to be for everybody or are they just going to story tell on these 40 athletes from all over the world? Because all of a sudden you have a lot of stories across many, like you have all these teams, all these individuals, all these different um, uh, divisions. How can you story tell on everybody? You know, it's going to be tough. Man, it's so hard. It's so hard. I love teams. I love teams, right? Like, <laughs> hey, I, I've, I've won the CrossFit Games three times on a team. I, I love it so much. However, Bro, when I get on the mic and I'm like talking about what's happening out there on the floor and I'm trying to highlight you, Jason Kalipa, but but also, you know, uh, the, the athlete Gabe on your team, like he's actually the one that picked up the bar. But I had to look in reference to make sure it was your face that I wanted to mention. By the time I'm getting ready to talk about you, all of a sudden it's Gabe's turn again and the camera's on Gabe. And it's like it, it is so hard to tell the story at volume and do it well for the teams. I'm not saying we got to ax that or anything, but it's just Boy, it presents some very, very unique challenges, um, especially when it comes to priority and thinking what really does draw people in uh, to have interest and want to watch more or go visit an affiliate themselves. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the goal for everyone should see more eyes come onto the sport. And those aren't the same eyes that they are today. And if they are, then we're not doing our job. Like very dude, true. if you're an OG CrossFitter, you're going to continue to be involved in the CrossFit games. You're going to be engaged on the semis. Like that's fine. But we've already spoke to that demographic so hard. So for any of those people who are even listening right now, like, dude, you're already in. Think about how we're going to get to the next layer, the next circle right outside. And it's probably not through these, you know, it's, it's probably storytelling on these people like um, with unique backgrounds who are competing as individuals. It's, it's just the way it goes. Like, um, and I can't think of another sport uh, Tell me if I'm wrong here. Can you think of another sport that the highest expression at the highest expression, they have as many divisions? No, definitely not at the highest expression. So like, right. No. Speaking from a jujitsu perspective, right. It's actually one of the things I think is tough because you have weight class, belt class, age class, and then obviously male, female, Right. I mean, so it makes it tough because there's just a lot going on. But at ADCC, which is like the the Olympics, it's just it's just like there's a few weight classes, like three or four, and that's it. Like let it ride. You can be as old as you want, as young as you want. I don't yeah. know. I, I maybe not as young as you want, but you know what I mean. Yes. Um, but it's an interesting thought that at the highest level, can you think of another sport that when the expression is televised or when the expression is brought to life at the highest level? they are also speaking at the same time about 40 other divisions. Yeah, no, man, nothing. I mean, I'll I'll even go brainstorm it for another hour and I don't think I'd find anything, right? So I, yeah, the answer is no. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I was just something I was thinking about, like gymnastics, right? Like you're gonna have the best in the world. Um, uh, weightlifting, you're gonna have the best in the world. Like you might have different, uh, you know, um, weight brackets, but they're not gonna have like a division where, well, I mean, like no, like at the Olympics, there's no masters division, right? It's just, I'd have to go look at it, but it was just something on my mind. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and again, this kind of highlights that maybe, maybe at the games, it, it's the Indies and. We were able to storytell and, and bring other other people to um, more of a highlight in themselves by having a separate separate event altogether. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think in the in the in the grand scheme of things, it was actually better for the athletes because they could be they could be the show. Um, it, okay, so switching gears a little bit, I want to yeah. I want to ask you a question. So I competed on a team, um, and it's definitely different dynamics than competing individually. You've won the CrossFit Games three times on a team. I was recently at a um, Echelon Front. This is like months ago. Um, Echelon Front is a leadership group that was developed by um, Jocko and his team. So all of them are either former Special Forces, former Navy SEALs, et cetera. Yep. So you go out in the middle of nowhere and you play laser tag. And I know it sounds weird, but basically you have 40 guys or girls and you are each given a different like role. So like, for example... I was the, you know, officer in charge one time. Then I was the third in command one time. Then I was a nobody. I was just like a, a whatever. And you would go out on a mission and they would see the way that communication was done from the top down. And they put you in a pressure tested environment. So they're throwing smoke grenades. They're, they're putting firecrackers. They're playing loud music. So trying to get you frazzled to see how your natural tendencies of leadership come out when you're in these environments. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, you've been pressure tested on a team, whether it was in training, whether it was in practical application at the games, what type of principles, like what kind of things have you seen? I'll, I'll give you one example. Something I'm working on is this idea of detachment, where when something happens, trying to detach from my ego, my emotion and my perspective. So at times you're on a team, maybe someone drops a bar, whatever it is, and you want to kind of, you're, you're, uh, you're emotional. You're like, dude, why are you dropping the bar? Or your mm. or your your ego gets in the way. Like we're gonna lose because that. But maybe that person's perspective is, bro. Like my grip shot. I whatever. I think if I had just taken a breath and just kind of toned it down, I would have been able to better communicate with that person instead of acting emotionally. So, what type of things did you see on a team? And any like leadership lessons that came out? Because at the time, if I'm not mistaken, you had six people, and then did you flow down to four? Is that what mm. it was? Okay. No, so because I so I was on I was on Ute CrossFit's team with Hacks yep. Pack, right? So Tommy yeah. Hacker, he he was he was our captain for sure. So 2012 and 2013, we won back to back years. Then I would go on for the next three years to pursue individual competition at the games, um, which I which I only made it once. So 2015, and I finished 21st there. And then 2016, you I had missed the Murph out. that year, right? That's right. Yeah, oh. which was which was my best finish of the games. Finished seventh that year in Murph, um, but we. We went, so, you know, and then I went into uh, 16, missed out, and then 17 team again, but that was the last six. That was the, t- that was the, so 2017, when we upset the mayhem there at the CrossFit Games, that was when, that was when, that was the last year for six teams. And then, you know, the next, the next year it was four, four person teams. So bottom line is, man, you know, I'm thinking back to all these experiences that I've had and, I, and I'm very fortunate. So I've been able to play a lot of team sports growing up. I was a two-year captain at Weber state university here where I played football. Um, and that's all like peers, peers vote you into that, right. That, that role. It's not the coaches that decide it's, it's the team. And, uh, 
you know, you know, leadership for me, I've, I've done a really bad job at trying to communicate and or scale the qualities of successful leadership. I've mm. never really took time to think back and, and, and think through like, what are these aspects or attributes, but there's a couple that stand out to me. And the first one is, you know, on a, on a team to be successful, whether you're leading or you're following or you're third in command or fourth in command, you do have to know your role. So I think, you know, understanding your role um, on the team, no matter where it is, you need to, you need to have an understanding of that. And sometimes that can be built through communication with the squad. Like, Hey, where do I fit here? What is my role at this time? Uh, you know, in our evolution or whatever we're going to do as a task. And that might change in the CrossFit games. Sometimes I had the role of calling the repetitions, right? If I was in the middle of the worm, for example, I'm calling all the reps, the yeah. people in front can hear me. The people in back can hear me. If I had to switch and carry the brunt of the load, which Jay, you'll remember how devastating the front of the worm can be. Um, I would have to be at the front carrying more of the workload. So my other teammates, one of our females or one of our other males would have to be the counter. So I think, you know, you got to know your role because it's important to understand whether you're going to follow or whether you're going to lead. Um, the, the next thing is self-awareness. Um, and, and for me, like self-awareness is what you're communicating as detachment, where I know how I feel right now. But in order for me to communicate to Jason successfully, I can't just let it rip. I've got to actually have the, the awareness and the wherewithal to kind of like communicate it to him the way that he needs to see me present it. Right. Uh, so it's like if, if I feel panicked and I'm frustrated and what I need you to do is be able to perform under pressure, I can't present it frustrated and panicked. I need you to feel calm and collected and you need to feel trust from me that you can execute at the highest level bro you need to be able to step up to that bar i'm gonna say hey jay you've hit this time and time again in practice all you got to do is go be you out there grab the bar get tall before you get small let's go like i give you one cue and then you're out there right like but you right. feel like cool i got one thing to focus on adrian trust me my team's relying on me but i've done this before um and, and for me those two things like really stand out like it's just natural right off the tongue is you know know your role and then have the self-awareness to understand the way that you're presenting to other people um yeah so those other two things i hope Dude, that answers your question a little bit. Bro, bro, yeah. i mean those are great because i mean i don't know many people in the crossfit space actually to be honest i mean well froning would be a, an exception um who have i mean you've competed individually you've also competed on team and you've had the success you've had on a team and then mm -hmm. you also played more traditional team sports before that, where it's one thing to be a leader on a team of six. It's another thing to be a leader on a team of 40 or 50 or however many guys you have on your team, right? That's, there's a big difference in the way you lead and, and each personality. And I remember on our team at NorCal, each person needed to be kind of inspired, motivated, or guided in a different way. And that was a big lesson that I learned was like, the way that I talk to you might That's not right. be the same way that I talk to somebody else. And I need to meet them where they're at, you know, maybe more compassionately, maybe more, maybe more, uh, like raw, raw, like, like maybe, right. yeah. maybe you didn't need me to put my arm around you and be like, Hey man, like you're doing great, whatever. All you want was like, let's go. Like, and I, I think that those kind of conversations are, are necessary because they translate into real world really well. I mean, for you, I imagine whether it's through the supplement company, the gym you're a part of, or even with your family, you know, with two yep. kids and your wife, like, you could take the idea of know your role or self-awareness, which, you know, I'm the self-awareness is a very good analogy to this idea of um, detachment because they're almost the same thing. Like one of yeah. them, like, you know, the best example I have, you know, an athlete shows up late for class, right? 10 minutes late. 
And you, 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 your ego gets in the way because you think they're like disrespecting your time and you're emotional because you're in the middle of teaching a class and all of a sudden this person throws you off. And your perspective is this person is, you know, not, not respecting my time. They're they're They think they're better than everybody else, whatever. But if you just like had some self-awareness, like that person probably doesn't come in late all the time. And if they do, you need to have a conversation with them offline. And if you just approach with a level of care, you might find out that that person who's coming in late, instead of yelling at them and having to do burpees, you might find out that, you know, maybe they had car trouble or maybe they, whatever. And you should just be grateful. They're even in the gym, you know, That's right. so, but it's that, that piece, I think sometimes it gets in the way and I'm speaking from, um, you know, experience for me, especially when your emotions get in the way, man, it's tough. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's very tough. And I, and I think that like, it's interesting because of course I've been on teams and, and like I shared like 2012 and, and 2013, like Tommy was for sure our captain in our face and he was our leader, you know, but at that time I didn't feel incapable of leading, right? Like I just knew my role. So like what he said was going to be what it was going to be, right? You CrossFit was his affiliate. He was the one that had finished second at the CrossFit games uh, before, like he had the experience and he's the one that put our team together, but in the same right, like I always was aware of what I could do to support him the best that I could. Right. And like acknowledging that I was going to be second or third in command and like wearing that with pride, even though I was a follower like to me was okay. And I don't know, sometimes like type A personalities and, you know, strong, strong character individuals sometimes have a hard time at doing that. But bro, if I, if I'm being honest, like even from a business perspective, if I had to be first in our business, or if I was like, Hey, I need to be CEO and call the shots because of my pride, and my ego, FNX wouldn't exist still. Like it just wouldn't, right? Like I'm just being honest. And so my, my self-awareness to like take second and third and even fourth, in moments when it's needed, like in my life, even sometimes with parenting to my wife, um, it's, it saved me in a lot of ways. So I think that's something also that people got to consider with leadership is like, yo, you can do it by serving and not always be in the, the face of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and if you're like leaning into Jocko's concepts, you know, it's this idea of taking ownership, right. Taking extreme ownership and recognizing what you're good at, what you're not good at and kind of taking a moment, you know, I mean, at least in our house, you know, I think, you know, my wife and I, we met really young and so we've kind of grown our relationship, um, as we've gotten older and matured, right? But we each play different roles. I think just communicating and having that self-awareness, I think is key um, and knowing that role. And that role can pivot back and forth depending on what you're doing, how it's going. Like you said, man, I mean, you've been in countless events. Do you remember, well, I don't, well, the team in 2015, you did Murph. You said you took seventh that year in that event? Yeah, uh-huh. How the hell did you take seventh? Bro, you're like, how much do you weigh right now? Or how much did you weigh then? Uh, probably like 202 or something like that. Not, not that, not that heavy. Bro, how are you going to 202? So yeah. I did a workout yesterday. We're doing like a mid-year mini comp at the gym where it's like, just like three fun workouts. And I haven't done, uh, I was doing 28, 22, 16, 10, but fast pull-ups. And my biceps are sore from that as is. How the hell are you doing Murph? Uh, and it was, I remember it was hot that year. dude. Super guys, hot, bro. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, be honest. That's, it was self-awareness. I believe that most of my success in the fitness space, Jay, is not because I'm fitter than a ton of the other guys. It's because their pride got in the way. And guess what? There were guys that ran like a, a 630 first mile of Murph. And I was like, peace out. See ya. And I came in like, I think like around 34th on the first run. And I just was chipping. I also did fives on the pull-ups to get to a hundred. Mm. And then, and then I just started eating them up on the push-ups and squats. And then on the last mile, I remember passing 
I know I passed Ben and I passed a few other guys. Ben stands out because, of course, he won the games that year. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There were a few guys that was, I was able to run down on that run. But a lot of it, like the success to that event was for me, like self-awareness. I just knew where I was fitness wise. And I was really worried when everybody went out super fast on the run. I was like, great. Like I've been working with Hinshaw, I've been working with all these other dudes, and I'm like, great. Now I'm I'm clearly not fit enough to be here, is what I was thinking initially. And then I was like, no, I'm going to trust the process here. And so I just let it play out, and and it finished really well for me. And it was the same thing, bro. That night we did a heavy DT, and heavy DT I got eighth on. And so those seventh and eighths were like two very different tests. And to me, I was really proud of that because. There were guys that came out and at 205, you know, they're slanging and banging it and kind of going unbroken on the first round. They dropped the bar, but the hands are on the knees and they're blowing themselves up. Right. And I just was like, cool, I got this game plan. I'm breaking things up here. I'm breaking things up there. I'm going to roll the bar forward, take a breath, but I'm picking it up again to start the next round. And so because I trusted the process and then kind of met myself where I was, it played out really good for those tests. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, that's the self-awareness. I, I know for a fact that I, I, I probably could have gotten 15th in both of those workouts but instead you know i finished where i was because a lot of those other guys weren't willing to start slow and build that intensity throughout yeah i mean that's one of the things about having a game plan you know i think for athletes in particular it's like beforehand you you, you talk to your coach you come up with a game plan and you come up with a game plan based on the information you have and like you should be sticking to that as well as you can now obviously there's exceptions if you have a minute left or 30 seconds left you gotta go right but there's a reason why you came up with a game plan because you 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 thought about it methodically when your heart rate wasn't at you know 180 beats a minute and you're not freaking out because there's another competitor next to you. You came up with your plan because that was the best plan at the time for you to think you're gonna win, right? And yep. that's something I had to learn the hard way in, in CrossFit is like you'd be going out, man. There was always that guy, always that guy who just who just went out and you had to remind yourself, like that dude's going out too hot. And you know, every blue moon, I would get, I would get proven wrong every blue moon, but in general, in general, if you stick to your game plan, you're going to perform better, but with 30, 45 seconds left, you got to go. You know, I saw that at semifinals. I think that, Oh yeah. I, I actually did. Um, I, I did a small little, uh, talk about this was like this idea that like, dude, for some people, man, they go out there and like, they just, ah, man, like if they just ran through the line, if they just did like this much more, they could have made a different place. And it's like, I wonder if that eats up with them because that's something that's ate me up in the future was like, dude, I could have, if I had just done this, you know? Mm-hmm. And those regrets are tough. Oh, man, they're so tough. And that's that's one thing that I try to preach to my athletes all the time is like, never look back on this journey, right? Never look back and wish you would have done something more right? Like commit to it fully, like be invested, be afraid to lay it all on the line, whatever it is you're doing, training, food, you know, sleep recovery, and like be willing to be embarrassed that you weren't good enough. Like when, when people ask me about like my, my football career, like I literally say like, yo, just want to be honest guys, I'm here with you because I wasn't good enough to be an NFL football player. And nothing in my pride hurts me to say that because when I look back, bro, I did everything I could in college to like ball out and to stay healthy and, and it didn't work out for me but I tried my best and I'm not embarrassed to say that, you know, it was kind of the same thing when we were like getting ready for the games in 2017 to compete against mayhem. Um, we had a hashtag stop the mayhem. Right. And, and we created this hashtag like two months before the games and all these people were like, ah, oh, man, these guys can't stop the mayhem. Like who is this dude to like make these claims. And, but we did it because we had gotten together as a team solely to win the CrossFit games. And we weren't going to be embarrassed if we took second to them because that was our whole goal was to take first. And we were going to lay it all online, willing to do that. So I think there's, you know, 
a, a lot of people are afraid to try their best and then fail. And that's what holds them back optimally, uh, you know, uh, for, in the big picture is because they're not willing to fully commit. Dude, you know, that's such a good perspective from your football career. And I, I feel the same way with my CrossFit career. You know, for me, I look back, there, there was been uh, like one event in particular stands out where I don't feel like I did what you just said. And um, it was in the 2012, like final event of Fran. I, I, I ended up taking fifth that year. I, I, I wonder if I had just put out my better effort, if I could take him fourth. And that's the only mm. thing that sticks out. But when I look back on my career as a whole, right, you know, you just want to ask yourself, like, did I reach my potential? You know, and I think that right. I think about that as a, as a father a lot. Like, dude, mm. I don't want to look back like when the kids are like 20, 30, 40, whatever they are, right? And be like, dude, I didn't reach my potential. I could have done better there. So I try and do these micro check-ins. And I think they're helpful, you know, because especially when you're competing in CrossFit, you know, for me, like my journey was dictated for me when Ava got sick. Like my journey was was chosen, it, it, like um, that I was exiting from the sport. It was just going to happen. And right. you never know when that's going to happen. But I look back on my career and I, I have no regrets, man. I, I feel like I reached my potential there. Kind of like what you're talking about with football. And I think about that same thing with business and with the family. It's like, bro, how much of that suck when you're like 60 and be like, you know what? Kind of yep. mess up that whole dad thing, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Especially with how fast time goes to us, bro. Like, it's just like, you know, you feel like you're in one phase of life and all of a sudden that phase is over. And then I'm like over here right now saying like, oh my gosh, we got, we got no babies no more. Like our, our kids are like growing up or, you know, it's just, it, it's crazy how fleeting time is and how hard it is sometimes to really capture the moment that you're in. Cause especially men like yourself, men like myself, women that are type A, like anybody that's focused on driving the needle and like becoming the best version. Like we're so focused on what's next instead of looking around at what's here in front of us or what's around us right now. And it's, it's, it's challenging. For sure, man. Yeah. I leave on Sunday. I'm going to going to Europe for uh, close to a month um, to celebrate uh, Ava being cancer free. And she's, oh, she's, gonna be she's 12. So like, bro, it's just like that. Right. Um, Crazy. Bro, I could, I could, uh, we could chat all day long. I do want to be sensitive of your time. And I wanted to ask you, uh, yeah. this, we do this Yeti question a week, right? And every week we, we, we give out, we put on social media and we hand out uh, like a, a ramp, like a, a Yeti water bottle for lack of a better mm -hmm. term. And this question is how many days a week do you train? Are you ever worried about overdo overuse or burnout? And whew, I mean, dude, you've been you've been training hard for a really long time. I've been training hard for a really long time. Yep. I've obviously pivoted some of my training to now incorporate quite a bit more jujitsu, but I'm curious in your, in your side, how many days a week do you train and are you ever worried about burnout? Man, this is a, this is a really great question. And, and I'm not, I'm not worried about burnout because I'm not training to compete and win things anymore. Right. So when I, when I was training to compete and win things, this was a great risk for me. Um, I, and not burnout mentally because I was always very driven to pursue whatever I was chasing, but physically like the literal limitations that my body has physiology wise, like I wanted to push those every single day. And it took some really hard lessons, man. I, I got injured uh, three days before the 2014 regional um, doing ring dips. I tore my pec. Oh, um, right? I think like, a few people had that. Was that that year? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It, it happened right. to a few people. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the fittest I'd ever been. And I bring this up, Jay, because for me, when I'm competing and I have this external motivator, like it's very hard for me to rationalize and say, yo, I need to take today off. Yo, I need to rest. Yo, you know what? I should probably just do some erg work today and let my muscles recover, let my joints recover. So a lot of my competitive career, man, and I take these lessons into the athletes that I work with today to try to teach them these lessons is that um, I, I needed someone to tell me to back off and chill out. 
Um, now at this phase of my life, it's very different. I, I want to continue to get stronger. I want to continue to get fitter, but also I just, I'm willing to listen to my body more. So if my knees are achy and I planned on squatting, you know what, bro, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do some good mornings instead, or I'm going to do some, some power cleans instead. I'm not going to pass below parallel today. I'm going to call that audible for me to answer your question directly. I train six, five to six days a week. I, I try to hit some good intensity, four to five of those days. One of the days I try to keep about a zone two. I'm going on a long run or I'm going to do some erg work or whatever, maybe a hike. Um, and then one day I try to take completely off. But I'll also mention May was crazy. I was on the road all the time, right? Like for, I, I didn't spend more than three to four nights in a row here at my home. Um, just because we had an FNX retreat this last weekend. I had the two semis, like a lot of stuff. I taught a seminar. And with that being said, I trained when it was available to me. So instead of worrying about my schedule, bro, the, the last week I was just training when I, when I could. So that, that meant 20 minutes downstairs in a hotel with some dumbbells, I was getting it in. And if I did that seven days straight, I was going to roll with it because I knew I was only getting in, you know, 15 to 30 minutes of high quality stuff. So I listen to my body. I avoid redundancy by trying to switch it up often. Um, and I've got some good programs online that I can pull from too. You know, we got a great true 30 program that exists uh, through train to rise up that I can just pull, pull some workouts from. So that helps me too. Yeah, man. I do like, I think my training split, you know, I, I go three, four days a week, um, classes at our gym. I do three days a week of jujitsu any more than three days a week. It's too much for me. Um, today I'm actually going to a local police department and enrolling jujitsu with them. Um, yes. and you know, it's hard to reduce your RP, like your rate of perceived exertion. Like it's hard to regulate that as well in jujitsu, just because I talk about detaching from your ego. It just starts to get in the way. I mean, if you're, if you're having good roles with someone like do the, the, the endorphins are flowing, you're like, all right, let's go. And right. the vibes are right. But all of a sudden you're like, shit, that's like multiple days in a row. I've been hitting it. So for me, I try and regulate, um, like the CrossFit, the, the, the classes that I take, try and adjust a little bit. So like three, day, four days a week there, three days a week, jiu-jitsu. And then in general, some days I'll do both. Right. And then in general, I do like one longer, like I like to bike. Um, and I don't really find myself like doing nothing in a day. Um, oftentimes on Sundays, I'll do self-defense Sundays with the kids. Oh, and that's so, awesome. Yeah, that'll just be me getting in some movement with them. Like, you know, we're working some tie pads. We're working some, we're working some grappling. We're working some of that. So I'm still getting some movement in, but I'm not like getting after it. Um, but I think you're right, man, it, is if I could look back and, and if I could give myself some advice from, you know, 10 years ago when I was really at the height of the sport, I would have said, Hey man, sometimes less is more. You don't yeah. need to do like, I remember we used to warm up. I used to warm up doing filthy 50, just as a warm up, just to like get the body moving. We would do five rounds of fight on bad just to kind of, you know, get the primer going. Anyways, it, no, man, listen, I know. Man. Yeah, I, it is. In hindsight, it's 2020, bro, we love fitness so much. We're, we're essentially addicted to the physiological responses that we get, right? So we're like, we're like a dog, you know, with a, someone dangling a toy in front of our face, the tail starts to wag. Just like you're saying, when you start to roll with someone and it's like, nah, man, this feels right. And you're just going to, you're just going to go with it. It's like me walking into CrossFit gym and being like, Jay, I'm resting today, man. Don't worry. I know you're doing your workout. I'm not going to do it. You know what that's going to turn into. I'm doing the workout too. I was supposed to be resting. It's because I'm drawn to the competitive nature or the, the physical feeling when it's all done. Um, so I, I totally get it, man. And yeah, hindsight's 2020. 20. Uh, it's interesting though, when I do look back, I'm like, if I'd arrested a little more in my competitive career and, and not like made myself train less, but just trained a little smarter, 
I think I'd have been stronger. I think I'd have been a touch more um, powerful in the shorter time domains, you know? Uh, So, so that's all stuff to consider, but I got a question for you. Like at this stage of your life, are you a big, like heat and cold guy? Are you in a sauna every day? Are you in a cold plunge? What's that, what's that look like for you? Yeah. So I I'm, I'm in the sauna probably three days a week um, okay. at, at, at night generally. Yep. And then I'll, tr- I'll hit the plunge as well. Um, but I hit that in the morning. My, my dude, my daughter, she's consistent every day with the plunge. So we work out at 6 a.m. Oh, together awesome. or she, she works out. I kind of, I kind of coach her and, yeah. and then she does the plunge and it's hard for me to be like, you know, I like to think about this idea of like discipline buckets and you only have mm-hmm. so much discipline in your bucket. 100%. And in general, dude, I consider myself a relatively disciplined person with nutrition, with sleep, with hydration, with workouts. But sometimes when it comes like sauna or plunge, I got to really like inspire myself to do it. And it's something that I I know I need to seek more, but I I try and hit the plunge multiple days a week, but I have not been able to do it every day. I was doing it every day for like two months and I've just fallen off every single day. So I got to give myself a little uh, pep talk, I think. (laughs) <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. I love it too. I don't cold plunge on a regular basis, but I'm in a sauna probably about four days a week. I would say I try to be minimum because I, I love it. The heat on my joints, man. It like it, 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 it's been an amazing thing. Last time I went to the games in 2021 as a master's athlete, like I, I was in a sauna religiously and I felt like that was one of the biggest differences for me, dude. Now the next thing we need you to do is go find a coach and get on a mat. I'm telling you, bro. Oh, I mean, I, I, you know, when you first got introduced, like the idea of CrossFit and like complexity and whatever, and you're like, oh, you're all in, you go tell all your friends about it, et cetera. That's kind of the way I've been in jiu-jitsu and many people have been for years though. Like, bro, when you, when you start unlocking these techniques and these ideas, maybe one day I'll get you to try it. Maybe, maybe after a few more of these type of conversations, I'll get you to, to set up a one-on-one. That's right. Hey, you never know. I wouldn't count it out. I wouldn't count it out. Man, it's the next sport for you. Well, brother, I really appreciate your time. It's um, it was been great catching up. Um, I know that you got a well, we got the CrossFit Games coming up in, in the near future. Um, we'll see when this episode releases. But um, dude, any kind of closing remarks or ready to rock and roll? I I think uh, I, I think we covered it all for today, man. I look forward to the next time we get together. Oh, I will mention I I, I kind of left that that comment that I made early in our in our conversation open when I said reached out to CrossFit, had a podcast called Athlete to Athlete. CrossFit did say, hey, let's try something, and we have a podcast called More Than Fitness. And I got a bunch of great people, Jason Kalipa included in that list that got us going with our show. So tune into that, folks, if you're interested in more longer format interviews with some of these athletes and some of the heads of the sport uh, that call the shots. So more than fitness. More than fitness. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, make sure you check out the previous shows. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And have a great day. Oh,